Hobbits at Heart. So today we are going to be talking about the two towers and we have our special guest with us, our dear friend, Mike. Hey, Mike. Hello. Thanks Hi, for having Mike. me. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, we're excited to have you here. I know that you're <laughs> a huge Lord of the Rings fan, just like myself and now <laughs> as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't don't hold me to that just because, I, you know, I feel like this should probably be said in general. But uh, I'm not an expert. And, uh, you know, if I say something that's not uh, up to snuff or up to scratch, then by all means, um, ignore it. (laughs) I I felt the same way listening to the Fellowship podcast. I was like, I hope I didn't say anything wrong. I think I'm right. But But here's the thing. Like, none of us are experts. And this is all just for fun. So if people think that we're wrong, they can uh, let us know. And then we can talk more about it, I think. Yeah. Definitely. I'm always I'm always willing to willing to learn. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, Mike, when did you first discover Lord of the Rings? Was it when it first came out, or more recently? Um, actually, when I was growing up, and this is going to make me sound old, but when I was growing up, um, my dad had a copy, and I'm assuming it's my dad because I don't think my mom would be into Lord of the Rings at all. But we had a copy of the 1978 Ralph Bakshi movie, mm, and yes. that's what I grew up on. Like I watched it. Not religiously, but a lot. Um, and it covers from the beginning of Fellowship to about the end of Helm's Deep. And then the rest of it never got made. I think the oh. I think, um, the Rankin and Bass uh, uh, Return of the King movie kind of picked up the picked up the slack from the Ralph Bakshi movie. But yeah, I grew hey, up on wait. that one. It's kind of dry, but I really like it. I've never heard of this movie. Have you never? What? What is it? Um, the 1978 <laughs> version of Lord of the Rings was directed by Ralph Bakshi, who is kind of, um, <laughs> uh, he was a big pioneer in adult animation. Um, oh, so it's he, animated? Yes, mm-hmm. it is a it is a rotoscoped animated movie. So they used real actors, but they animated on top of them. Um, I'm looking at you like we're having a conversation. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, they, they it's it's divisive. It's, it's dry. It is. However, I think more faithful to the source material, like reading through the books last year, um, I definitely noticed. I was like, oh, that's that's definitely in the Ralph Bakshi movie. That's definitely in that that movie that I watched as a kid. It's worth watching, I think, once because it is more faithful, I think. But there's a reason why it's not more popular. It's like I said, it's very dry. Well, Kelsey, I just Googled it. I'm looking at pictures of it. You What's and up, I Liz? might have to watch it and talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Either. Yes. I'm a bad Lord of the Rings fan. I've never seen it. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> so in my research of Lord of the Rings, I've seen pictures of this like pop up, but I had mm-hmm. no idea what it was. So yep. now it's making a little more sense. Um, It's giving me like old, like animation vibes where, that you would see in like Cinderella or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Beauty. Yeah, and they use the same technique where, like, again, they had actors act out the stuff and then the artist just drew over stuff. And so, yeah. yeah, it's it's an interesting look. And it kind of was a really dark piece of animation for me as a kid. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it was my introduction to Lord of the Rings. And it's, it's, it's something I still weirdly, like, reference and hold dear to my heart, uh, even though, like, no one has seen it <laughs> or nobody that I know has seen it. 
Well, we'll yes. watch it and then we can <laughs> <Yeah>. discuss. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then did you see the um, the live action, you know, the Peter Jackson ones when they came out or was that? I, I did. I definitely did. And okay. um, I wasn't I don't remember being obsessed with them back then. I was a big fan. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely love the, love the uh, movies. And they're the ones I obviously go back to more than anything. I haven't watched the Ralph Bakshi movie in two decades. <laughs> I guess we all need to watch it then. I guess so. I'm down for yeah. it. I'm down for <laughs> it. Just to see really if it holds exciting. up, really. Yeah. So oh, then, awesome. Mike, do you have a favorite Lord of the Rings character? Um, I want to say probably Gandalf. I feel like that's an easy choice. I feel like it's, it's a really safe answer. But I don't know. He's just so iconic. He is like the Ur-Wizard when it comes to pop culture and things like that. And yeah, and as, especially as portrayed by Ian McKellen, there's kind of nothing you can compete with. I mean, I was like, I was really liked in um, Fellowship Boromir mm-hmm. for his for his kind of like flawed hero angle and how he kind of redeems himself by protecting Merry and Pippin. Oh, um, such a good scene. It's it is it is probably his Sean Bean's best death. In, <laughs> and he's I got mean, a lot of them. He, yeah, he is pretty typecast in his movies. So guy who dies. I will say yeah. I'm that is the only reason that I knew in Game of Thrones that he died before I read the book because I saw a meme about how Sean Bean always dies. Oh, and then no. that like stuck with me because I was like, oh Boromir. <gasps> oh no, that's <laughs> Well Oh no. If you've never seen the Martian, spoilers, he stays alive the entire time. So Okay, good to know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Sean I've seen Bean. that actually. I haven't either. Oh, the Martian's great. Different book, though. Different book, different movie. Yeah. (laughs) That'll be another time. Well, you guys, before we dive into the movie, I also just wanted to tell you, I don't know if you saw this floating around Instagram today, but today is J.R.R. Tolkien's birthday. Hey! He was born in 1892, so I like to think we're honoring Tolkien by making this podcast today. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Thanks for that, Lindsay. I I did not know that. Happy birthday. Tolkien. I'm glad we, glad we waited until <laughs> Sunday to record this. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's perfect. Although when people hear this, it'll be a little bit later, but maybe they celebrated. Well, it's a Sunday, the day we recorded this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Two Towers is uh, a lot of movie compared mm-hmm. to Fellowship. Mm-hmm. I mean, Definitely. so is Return of the King. I feel like these movies are just getting longer and longer, but yeah. watching Two Towers, I felt how do I say this in fellowship? I was like, Oh my God, how is there still an hour left in this movie? Like, Oh my God, I loved it. But I was so surprised that there was still so much left. Whereas when two towers ended, I was like, that's it. You know, like it went by a little quicker to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have to say two towers is my favorite movie. I think I've struggled with this. I've agonized over it. (laughs) People ask me all the time and it's really hard for me to separate the three movies because I just think of them as all one big epic story. Mm -hmm. But if I have to pick one, I'm going to say it's Two Towers. That's a really popular opinion, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like I've heard that a lot. And I think think Two Towers is probably, probably the best of the three. However, not my favorite. Like Fellowship is absolutely my favorite. It's it's the most nostalgic for me. It's got the warm feelings. I remember going, mm-hmm. remember coming home from grad night in high school, and being like totally knackered, but like throwing on the extended edition <laughs> for Fellowship, and just kind of like vibing out to it. Like it's it is the it is the one that has like the most nostalgia for me and the most like Lord of the Rings feels 
for me. Mm. But yeah, Two Towers, I think, is probably the most action-packed and probably the best of the probably the best of the three. Yeah, see, Two Towers is the most nostalgic for me, I think, because little Lindsay loved pretending to be fighting in Helm's Deep. So like, <laughs> I just, I don't know why I loved the battle for Helm's Deep. I thought it was so cool. So I was always like running around with my sword and my bow and arrow. And- well, I, and I think, and I think part of that maybe comes from the fact that like almost it, it is the one that has the easiest name to remember. Like, you know, in, yeah. in fellowship, you have like what Helm's Deep, you think about uh, what Emon Hen, but you never, they never say that. There's just yeah. like a nerdy thing that nerdy people know. Um, but like when you think of battles, it's the battle for Helm's Deep. And they say that multiple times in that, in that movie. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just easiest to remember like, or like the battle of Pelennor Fields in Return of the King is just not quite as easy to remember. But yeah, oh, Helm's, Deep is, Helm's Deep is, Helm's Deep is what's up. It gave me like total Game of Thrones vibes at Helm's Deep, which if you haven't watched Game of Thrones, you might That's not. It. Yeah, I know. Well, it was directed at me. <laughs> well, and any listener, because like visually, yeah. visually, it does remind me a lot of the a lot of those battles that we see in Game of Thrones. So I was enjoying it as well. Um, the one of my first notes that I wrote down for this movie was kind of a question, but I think I knew the answer um, that the <laughs> the movies now start to like show us the story in a different way than the books do. Mm-hmm. So they keep swapping back and forth to like all the different storylines. But it's my understanding that the books don't do that. Correct. They do, yeah, they do not do that. Yeah. So in the books, um, it's divided in. So Two Towers is technically divided into two books. Um, so book one oh, is, is wait, following, really? yeah, so book one follows Aragorn, Gimli, Legolas, Merry, and Pippin, and book two is Frodo and Sam. So you read all the way through, like, the Battle of Helm's Deep, um, and I think the attack of Isengard, I can't remember exactly, and then you stop, and then it picks up with Frodo so and Sam. So it goes Sam. back in time, mm-hmm. and then picks up with Frodo and Sam, because they don't mm-hmm. intertwine, those stories, like, never really intertwine. Nope. And like wow. after after fellowship, you know, and they they split after um, Bormir dies in the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're never together again. In fact, Mike, I don't know if you remember because I think you read this more recently than I have. But doesn't Two Towers start with the death of Boromir? It does. Yeah. What? Yes, yeah. it does. Oh, that's so weird. Yep. Yeah, and Frodo and Sam meet Shelob in Two Towers in the books. The spider. Oh, oh, which she's in Return of the King. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm in the movie. Ah, So confusing. (laughs) I don't like spiders. So we'll get to that when we get to that. (laughs) Yeah. You're you're jumping Um, the gun on the spider content. I know. I'm like, oh, I wasn't prepared to talk about spiders. I still can't Um, watch that scene. But yes, we'll talk about that next time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to remember like visualizing all the scenes when I wrote these notes that I'm looking at. But one of the other first things I wrote is that I love how Frodo like risks his life for this box that he has no idea what's inside. Uh, but it's just Sam's <laughs> seasoning. Yeah, like Sam's seasoning box like falls off his pack and like Frodo lunges for it and he could nearly topple over. Everyone's but, just got that one seasoning that will die for, you know? But I think what I love is like, it's funny because it's like, okay, Sam, like you could have told Frodo, no big deal. It's just seasoning, you know, but he didn't. And so Frodo thinks it's this huge important thing. And then when he finds out what it is, he's not like mad <laughs> or anything. He's like, <laughs> he's like <"That's> okay. <laughs> he's like, it's a bit of home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's my bottle. My bottle of Tapatio just fell out of my purse. You got to catch it. <laughs> like those little mini, mini bottles. 
they're not that small. They're like this. Small. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, everyone's just got that seasoning they need to have with them at all times. Mm-hmm. You never know. Um, one of my first notes, actually, this is going back a little bit um, to the scene where Gandalf defeats the Balrog. <laughs> I wrote down, it's surprising to me that Gandalf defeats the Balrog. Like, I know we love Legolas. I mean, wow. My brain is all over the place. I know we love Gandalf, but my money would have been on the Balrog. <laughs> like if I saw the Balrog standing next to Gandalf, I would have been like, yeah, Gandalf's gone. Yeah. I never, I never count the wizard out. Never count yeah. that wizard out. I guess. The, I re- the true test of that would be to do the whole like Dumbledore versus Gandalf argument and see if Dumbledore would have been able to defeat the Balrog. Mm. which is a debate in this household, I will say. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Talked I mean, about I mean, it. also lives in a universe where a killing curse exists. So, I mean, what's the what's the statute of limitations on using killing curses on evil demons? Is that, is, yeah, that on, is that against the rules? Well, I guess like Dumbledore and Voldemort are peers in a way that Gandalf and the Balrog are somewhat peers. So... Yeah, it's hard to say because (laughs) the Balrog would be not be able to defend that sort of magic. So it's like an unfair. You're right, Mike. It's just different. But But he's still a bad guy. That's all. We can have a whole episode about Dumbledore versus Gandalf. And for right now, I'm on team Gandalf. So yeah, throwing (laughs) that out there. As a true Harry Potter fan, I still think Gandalf is more badass. So, (laughs) but you know that Gandalf would not have been chill. When asking the asking Harry Potter if he put his name in the Goblet of Fire. That's true. No, he would have yelled. He would have yelled his ass off. Just like he yells at Pippin all the time. Exactly. <laughs> um. So yeah. Next we meet Gollum. Uh, which used to always freaking freak me out as a kid. I thought he was so terrifying as he's like climbing down the stair or the stones. You know. Uh huh. Um. Did, I don't know. We he was in Fellowship though, right? Briefly briefly yeah the, like he's he's refer he's seen a little bit in in helm's deep they see a little oh, because bit because gandalf's like he's been tracking us or whatever yeah, yeah. okay mm-hmm. so i'm just but trying to remember him okay i'm trying to yeah. remember what it looks like it's all leaving my head um one of my favorite notes was a quote from mike actually because we were watching it together about <laughs> when Gollum has the rope on his neck and he's like being so dramatic i don't know mike you want to share uh, I've got a note that says Kelsey is stealing my observations. Re Gollum ropes. Gollum is to ropes as Republicans are to masks. <laughs> I but wrote that he's an anti-masker. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He would. Totally. He'd be. He'd be on a all over YouTube clip on like throwing a, a fit inside a grocery store. Someone should make a meme about that. How like uh, Gollum is on the floor, like it burns yeah. us. I, <laughs> and then compare that to an anti-masker. And if I'm being honest, I actually think that's probably where I may have seen it was on a meme. Oh, so I yeah. can't take full credit for that, but it's, it's kind of funny. an apt description. Absolutely. Yeah, Great. I still thought it was really funny. Um, and that in that scene is where we start seeing like Sam and Gollum kind of go against each other. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, uh, who are we going to trust Sam or Gollum? Because Frodo's like kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It starts bringing up some red flags. Well, do you feel like, I mean, uh, watching it this time, uh, I felt like that was almost a little bit of like jealousy, like, oh, Frodo's giving all his attention to the, to this new guy. Yeah. I got to assert myself. And, he, and for, Sam's feeling threatened because his, his, his good friend is now hanging out with, is now really caring about this other guy. Does I think it, Sam just doesn't like to trust Gollum. I've never, I never thought about jealousy. Yeah. Cause I kind of see 
like a combination. I don't know if Sam is jealous of Frodo's time and attention, more just like who he's trusting because Sam does not trust Gollum like at all. So seeing that Frodo is putting so much trust in Gollum, I think Sam might feel like betrayed. Oh, sure. And, and, and like, that's kind of how the reading, that's the reading I've had this entire time is that, oh, that he's just not trustworthy. And so Sam's just watching up for, for Frodo, but like maybe just a little bit, maybe just a little bit that he's giving a little more attention to, to Gollum and Smeagol than he is um, Sam, maybe a little bit of jealousy. Maybe. Because like, Frodo and Sam's relationship with the book is very like, very tender and very loving. And, and there's like, a, there are several scenes where Sam just talks about how much he loves Frodo, mm-hmm. you know, and there could be a little bit of jealousy there if you wanted to play it that way. And I think there, yeah. you could, you could read it that way, but you're right. Ultimately he's probably not trustworthy and probably someone that you, Frodo should uh, steer clear of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I like those layers. <laughs> yeah, it's I know. Jealousy. Is it Many bad readings. that I just thought of Shrek and onions when you said layers? <laughs> That's what I think of. Every time. Okay. Who, who doesn't think of Shrek? <laughs> I just had to times. put it out there. <laughs> um, okay. So the next scene that we see is um, we see that Mary and Pippin are still alive, which is great. Because if you didn't read the book, you might not know that they're still alive. Um, and the orcs, I know I commented on this in the last few episodes, but their makeup is so good. Mm-hmm. It's just so impressive. Every time I see them, I just, <laughs> I'm just so amazed. I don't know. It's impressive. Oh, yeah. and you'll, you'll, you'll definitely grow to miss that if you ever watch the Hobbit movies, because there's really not much oh. of that. And it's a huge bummer. And I think that's, you know, we could probably go on a, a huge long digression about what happened with the Hobbit movies. And maybe you guys will do an episode of that one day. But yeah, man. Foreshadowing, probably. Teaser future episodes. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah. I just like needed to appreciate it. Definitely. Oh, yeah. It's worth appreciating. I feel like the prosthetics that they created are just incredible the they really are um, I, um go oh, for it i was gonna say i also wrote that 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 orc drink that they shoved down mary's mouth like looks nasty af yeah it, <laughs> it looks like thick like molasses gasoline i don't yeah. even know yeah it looks like motor oil and or like either motor oil or like the the thickest syrup you could imagine yeah and dominic monaghan said it tastes really gross they say in the behind the scenes but i don't remember but he did say that it was gross and that peter jackson just kept being like shove more in his mouth pour more (laughs) he's got a wreck horribly i know yeah i I remember watching this uh, watching the watching the scene this time and like it never really bothered me until i watched the hobbit again we're talking about that movie but i was like wait I thought orcs couldn't move in the sunlight. I was I was really confused about that. So I looked it up, and apparently they totally can. They it's not so, that they can't; they just don't like it. Like they get demoralized. They really like the darkness. They don't like being in sunlight. So they can move in the sunlight. They just don't like it. Well, I think they they mentioned that in Fellowship because when they first tell us about orcs, they say that they only move in like the darkness. Mm-hmm. And then someone, Legolas or Aragorn or somebody was like, hey, they they saw orcs, a new type of orc, and these ones were in the daylight. Yeah, Kel- yeah. Uh, Celeborn talks about how the uruk, the Urukai can walk in the, can run in the sunlight. And right. so those are the big, the big jack looking, mm. orc looking mm-hmm. ass things is, yeah. are the Urukai. The and they were always, I was never curious about how the Urukai could do it because they, you're right, Celeborn says they can move in sunlight just fine. But I was always curious as to why the orcs, because I remember a complaint about the hobbits is like, 
okay, look at these orcs just running around the sunlight like it's all willy-nilly. But apparently, I have no reference. <laughs> I have no reference for what you're talking know, right? about. So I'm just picturing them know, like, right? frolicking through a meadow. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Just imagine that. Skipping around. Yeah, like holding hands like that. They really betrayed the spirit of the Lord of the Rings by having all these orcs just be really nice. <laughs> yes, oh, that was gosh. the problem with the Hobbit. I mean, they used to be elves, so like who knows? Anyway, that's a whole nother thing. Right. Um, but so, so no. So anybody's ever had that question about why these orcs can move in sunlight? Because they can. They just don't like it. Hmm. I actually didn't know that. I, I never looked into that. So thank you, Mike. Yeah, it's a good, good note. Um, I have to say that this is honestly, when you really think about what Mary and Pippin are going through, that is like so terrifying because you know that they're kidnapped by these monsters and they're on their way to meet Saruman and be tortured, mm-hmm. possibly to death. Like that's, they gotta have some PTSD from that. <laughs> Yeah, oh, but at the same time, they're playing it like so smart, like I for know. for um, Mary to drop or Pippin to drop his uh, his leaf, his pin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, his like leaf pin in the moment is just such a smart idea. You know, that's the boy. <laughs> I know. And then I think it is kind of interesting how they like let us or Aragorn like find it so quickly, like literally like five minutes later. I mean, I think more time has gone by. Kelsey, you have to remember, time goes by. But like in the movie, it's revealed so soon. I don't know. I don't know. You think that's something like that. Remember, Kelsey, we talked about this. They don't, there's there's definitely time between shots. Remember, they're not filming these all back to back. Remember, we talked about these scenes. Uh, Kelsey's like, I just can't tell that there's so much time going by. uh, I can't, especially, I just can't. Well, I think I recently um, saw a TikTok that one. There's a there's a, a TikTok where this guy does random obscure Lord of the Rings facts, Love and him. I think he says it's like from the time that Frodo leaves the Shire to when or when the actually between the Council of Elrond and when the Ring gets to Mordor, it's like many months. Mm-hmm. So you yeah, know, yeah. it's not Which, back to back. I just think it's hard to portray that in the movies, and so oh, I sure. have to remember, like. Like an example of that is like at the mines of Moria, it's like four days that they're in the mines when it really feels like they're only there for like an hour. So, yeah, you know, I just, I don't know. It's hard to (laughs) keep track of. So moving along, the next scene is where Aragorn and Gimli and uh, Legolas show up. And Mm -hmm. I forgot that Aragorn was like a tracker. Remember when they used to call him Strider, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A ranger. So when he's like listening to the ground, I was like, what the heck? How does he have like heightened hearing now as well as like all these other abilities? Um, But I forgot. He's got plot magic. He can just, he can do whatever the plot needs him to do to get forward. (laughs) He's got Uh, uh, proficiency in survival. There you go. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. When he puts his ear to the ground against plus. Yeah. Plus five to perception, he can do, he can, his hearing checks get better. Um, This scene for me is notable because... This is the first scene where Gimli starts becoming the comedic relief. Definitely. I wrote that it, too. And it's kind of a bummer to me just because he had so, not to say that he had like a ton of gravitas. They definitely kind of, you know, he, he takes his lumps in the first movie. But I feel like this is the first movie where he starts really like becoming, he has less to do to drive the story forward and kind of just more starts, you know, making people laugh, which is, mm-hmm. I guess, fine. But by the time Return of the King comes around, it's it's he and Legolas are just all sorts of comedic relief. So having Gimli as the comedic relief, I just feel kind of split about it because it makes me like his character a little more and it makes me like relate to his character and the banter between him and Legolas. But at the same time, I almost feel like it's doing a disservice to him as the character 
because I feel like in this is like a whole movie thing, but I feel like in the whole movie, his really only purpose is comic relief, except for like a couple kills that he might get. I don't know. I, I think that's fair. And um, like reading, even reading the book, he doesn't really contribute that much to the plot, you know, forwarding sort of thing. Um, yeah. it's, it's very much, it's his role is very much just kind of to bounce off the other characters and to kind of add his two cents where he is. But yeah, un- unfortunately, yeah, he serves but a purpose I, in movies. He gets the laughs. Yeah, but I do like him though. And I like how we do see him, his character kind of grow. Like in the first one, he's like, never toss a dwarf. And in the second one, he like tells Aragorn to toss him. You know, like he's growing and it's funny and it's cute. Yeah, yeah. I do love Gimli. I also feel like Gimli in this scene and all the running scenes is absolutely me running it. <laughs> like when he's like, just keep breathing. Like <laughs> it's totally me. Trying to catch up. Yeah. Like, oh, please, God, don't make me run. (laughs) I must be the world's tallest dwarf then because that's also me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also have one of my favorite little pieces of trivia. I don't know. Okay. So, again, watching Lord of the Rings, I just always think about the behind the scenes now because it's, like, ingrained in my memory. And so for all of these running scenes where you see them just like running across Rohan, mm-hmm. all of the actors had really bad injuries while they were filming these scenes. Oh no. So Vigo's toe was broken, which we'll get to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Orlando Bloom had a broken rib, which we can also get to. Oh, I didn't and, know that. And John Reese Davies size double um, had really bad knee problems. So all three of them were actually like hobbling around and they would just like have to sprint as soon as the cameras were on. And they had all of these scenes where like people were like up in the helicopters and they'd just be like hanging out on the fields and they'd be like, all right, go. (laughs) I don't know. I just, I think about that every time I see these scenes. I think that's uh, interesting. I have not seen the special features for Two Towers yet. So I'm excited to hear any of the things that you both have to share. Yeah. I I have not watched the special features for these movies in like a long time. Like the little bit that we watched the like after Fellowship mm-hmm. um, was like the most that I'd seen in like a decade. So I am I'll be useless in this field. But uh, <laughs> hey, but did you know I... that did you know that Viggo Mortensen breaks his down? <laughs> yes, everyone knows that. But did you? <laughs> and now and I know we've mentioned it before too. But I'm pretty sure we're gonna have episodes just about the special features because they're like movies in their own way so Mm -hmm. i was gonna say i think you were saying that you feel like you can quote the special features just as well if not better than quoting the movies sometimes i mean sometimes i forget the special features a lot but i have seen the special features probably at least six or seven times so there are parts that i can quote and my friend brigitte has also seen them a lot so like we'll quote the behind the scenes to each other and it's like no one else would probably know what we're talking about (laughs) laughing Um, But I was going to say one of my other favorite stories, and I don't want to spoil the behind the scenes too much, but while they were filming these running scenes, they wanted to get a sunrise scene. So Viggo Mortensen and Barry, one of the producers and a bunch of the guys, they all decided to camp out one night. Oh my gosh. This like huge thing where like 
half of like the cast and crew showed up and they went fishing and they had a bonfire and they all like camped together and it's just like this I don't know I I love that story so much every time they tell it it's so sweet and I guess they were up really late I know they're up really late all night drinking and then they had to wake up before sunrise to go shoot some running scenes and and it's stories like that that kind of like ruin like or what make you hold Lord of the Rings is like this this ultimate production sort of thing. Like, you know, watching the special features and listening to the commentary, um, you definitely get this vibe that, like, it was this, this kumbaya, everyone's coming together. And, you know, for me as a young, you know, a young moviegoer, that was my, my first impression when it came to how movies get made, is that these guys all go off and spend months together and they, you know, that's all they do is hang out and make movies together. But in reality, that's not it at all. Like some guys will show up for like a day to do one scene and then never, right. never see the rest of the cast mm-hmm. until the premiere. But like, you know, stories like that are what kind of, kind of made me really wanted to get into movie making was, is that camaraderie and that, you know, this big experience sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember seeing that, hearing that story and seeing, seeing the shot they got for that one that one handheld magic hour shot of them running by. Yep, totally. And I think that's what makes these movies really unique is that they were all together for mm. like, I think over a year. Um, so they really did get that camaraderie that you maybe wouldn't get on some other movies because they right. were all just in New Zealand. So even if they weren't filming that day, they were all still there together, which yeah. I think is and really cool. I was going to say the same thing. It's like, that's what makes these movies what they are. That's what makes them that much better is because they are so close knit. So Mm-hmm. Movie makers, take notes. <laughs> yes, all, all movie production, be, <laughs> all all you movie movie production should there. be like summer camp. Yeah. Everyone should all just go on a retreat. Yeah, well, especially now with COVID, like people need to be quarantining together anyway, so you might as well do it all together instead of spacing it out. Anyway, wow, we're getting or just way... Or just go to New Zealand. Just go to oh, New Zealand. Let's go. Yeah, Who wants to go? go? Let's, let's hop on over <laughs> to New Zealand. All righty. The next note... <laughs> I have Siri, is that was, you <laughs> was basically just about like what are the two towers um but it's Saruman's tower and the eye of Sauron 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 mm-hmm. these are so hard to pronounce and what are the actual names Kelsey <laughs> the tower of Isengard right no the tower of oh. Orthanc is in Isengard uh, in Isengard and yep, don't know the other one. I thought I told you, so you could write it in your notes. You did, but I didn't write it down. Oh. I wrote, together we shall rule this Middle Earth. And I don't know why I wrote Boom, that. there you go. And um, the other one is, is... Baradur. There you is go. Right? Yes. <laughs> I can keep my I knew it started with a B, you know? I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like, yes, there there are two towers that are, like in this movie, uh, Pippin and Mary are like trying to get to the one in Isengard. <laughs> I already forget what it's called. I was I don't know how to pronounce I was, it. I was just thought it was weird that people like we know that we know that there there are two towers. We know they're called we know one's called or there's a land called Isengard, but no one can ever say what the name of the tower is. I don't like honestly don't know if they say the Tower of Orthanc. I don't think the they do. I think they do, but like it's not it's you know, you wouldn't really pay attention to it. Like there's so many names, you know. Yeah. It's oh, go yeah, I know. Way like, I they, like I honestly think they talk about it in the special features, but they maybe never mention it. I honestly don't remember them mentioning it in the movie. I don't either. I did not track that. I think like 
overall, I was just kind of like, why is this movie called Two Towers? Where like overall, you know that they are trying to get to these two separate towers, but I feel like Helm's Deep is like the main attraction in this movie. Yeah. But I also know that yeah. the books are slightly different than the movie, so. Mm-hmm. And I think also I was looking up on this and I should have actually written it down, but originally there were alternative names for the books oh. that Tolkien had, and I can't remember them right now. Um, I know, dang it. Quality uh, trivia. Right? <laughs> but uh, the produ- or the publishers were like, no, no one's going to care. And so for whatever reason, they ended up on two towers. Yeah, I mean, it is more simple. I think it's it works. I was just like, it made me ask more questions. Yeah. Uh, the next thing that I have is talking about how gorgeous Aomer is. I don't know if either of you have anything prior to that. Um, <laughs> I wrote oh, wow, down... I've, got, I've got notes. Oh, yeah, go for it, Mike. Go for <laughs> it. Oh, no, I'm, no, I was just... Um... What's it like? Gimme comes con- comedic relief. They're taking the hobbits to Isengard. Oh yeah! <laughs> Wait, <Classic. laughs> Lindsay just Classic. showed me the video yesterday of the song of taking the hobbits to Isengard, and now it is uh, ingrained in my memory forever. Yeah. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> like I, I never not chuckle whenever that line comes up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> if anybody, if anybody listening to this has not seen, they're taking the hobbits to Isengard. Like there's. It's kind of an old internet video at this point, but it's quality. It is. Yeah, it is. If you are a Lord of the Rings fan, absolutely must watch. They're taking the Hobbs to Isengard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the potatoes one, which we oh. will get to. Yes, yes. I wrote down Aothane and sister, but I don't have any recollection of what that means. Oh, those are the uh, the two kids. Oh, yeah. And the Westfold is burning. Oh, and it gets into, yeah. Mm-hmm. To Edoras. Um, they're in the movie. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I was just probably like, are they going to be a thing later? But th- all you see later is that they eat uh, what's her face's soup, mm-hmm. or she gives them soup or whatever. Um, sorry, they seem, they seem to enjoy that soup. So I'm going to say that she did not make that. She soup. did not yeah. cook it. Yeah, it was the cooks of uh, Medusal that cooked that. There you go. <laughs> sorry, Lindsay, where were you trying to pick up from? Oh, I was just saying, I just wrote Aomer, freaking gorgeous man. <laughs> um, and said, I was... add Aomer to the list of men of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yes. Um, which, uh, Mike, we talk about this a lot in our first podcast, like how all of the men are just so gorgeous, excuse me, so gorgeous in these movies. And I was curious, did you have a crush on any of the women in Lord of the Rings? Oh, gosh. Or uh, any of the men? I don't know. Not really. <laughs> Uh, no, not really. Um, uh, yeah, no, surprisingly not. Like, I, I think maybe for young Mike, um, uh, Lord of the Rings was kind of something I never really thought about Lord of the Rings in that term. But actually, no, I like Kate Blanchett. Ah, uh, yes. Glad Absolutely. 100 percent. Yeah, Gorgeous. no, huge. Uh, I don't don't know how that slipped my mind, but absolutely, Kate Blanchett is Galadriel. Was it because of the twinkly lights <laughs> reflecting in her eyes, the Christmas lights that yeah. they have oh, to make her fine eyes, eyes sparkle? <laughs> <laughs> she has fine eyes. <laughs> um, yeah, well, no, Darcy I mean, quote. Just, so uh, I remember hearing John Rhys Davies and the special features talk about how he had to kind of imagine Galadriel as this mo- as the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, something about picturing her in that light was like, wait, yeah, she kind of is the most gorgeous thing I've ever, ever seen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kate Blanchett, am I right? She's a goddess. She is. She really is a goddess. So she, she and then and then she becomes a goth in Thor Ragnarok and then Thor. I'm sold. Oh, she's so good. Um <laughs> Lindsay, so when they first have Aomir, is that who you say it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Aomir, he finds 
Theodred, mm-hmm. right? These names. There is a um, thing that Mike and I saw when we were watching, and I'm wondering if you have seen it or if they talk about it in any features or anything. But there's this like neon yellow, like scrap piece of fabric on the ground. Oh, really? Yes. And we were like, what the heck is that? That's not part of the movie. We had to rewind and rewatch it. So I looked it up and apparently it's just like a scrap of um, some sort of like flag, like caution tape type Mm -hmm. flag thing that was just like accidentally in the shot. Yeah, but never noticed it before. But it is it is so obvious and I have no idea how I did not notice it before. Yeah, I never noticed. I think that scene is an extended scene only so they maybe would have taken it out if this was in the theatrical cut but they did they just didn't even bother to so someone i don't know i thought it was really interesting yeah right peter jackson well i'm (laughs) curious now because because they he you know there was a video that came out recently where they were talking about how they're going to like go through and remaster the movies for 4k and they're Mm going to update the visual effects not update the vfx but like make them look like they were produced now yeah i'm curious to know if like over the, the period of him looking at every scene in the movie if they looked at that and fixed it, like that seems like a huge thing to to leave yeah. in. I mean, here's the thing though. If I wish I had a picture, Lindsay, so I could show it to you. Or I know. I have to, to go back and look at it. Um, it's literally like they're panning the floor and they're looking at all the dead bodies. It's before they find Theodred's body. Um, they just, it's just like on the pebbles in the pan of the camera. But if it wasn't yellow, it would look like it belonged because it doesn't look like it has like, like uh, obvious like stripes or it doesn't say caution on it or anything like that. It's just the color just makes you think that's not a prop. <laughs> that's so I think funny. that was on accident. So look out for it, Lindsay and anyone else. That's hey, listening. at least it's not as bad as the Starbucks cup. In- no, it's not. Oh my gosh. That came up in my research when, uh, when I was researching this little piece of flag. And it's, and it's, that's yeah. so funny. I'm surprised. I'm glad it's, it's, not the most obvious mistake in the movie, <laughs> or it's the most obvious mistake in the movie, and then you know other mistakes are not quite as as obvious. <clears throat> and, sword. I, and I know uh, that they have what? <laughs> we'll get Wait, to that's it. in our notes. We'll oh, get to okay. it. Yeah. I, you guys are bringing up these things, um, but I will say I know that there was a note before when uh, Fellowship of the Ring aired in theaters that there was a scene, the scene when Sam is like, "This is the furthest I've ever gone from home." Apparently, in the theatrical cut, you could see a car drive by in the background. (laughs) Oh, no. Like, just barely, barely see it. But, like, people (gasps) caught it. Because I remember reading about it back then, which, of course, they took it out for the uh, DVDs and and so on. But So you could only see it, like, in theater? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think so. Oh, that's funny. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, everyone, uh, this is actually, I'm surprised that we've already been talking for this long because we are barely in the beginning (laughs) section of our notes. But like I said earlier, this movie is just longer than the last one and it's going to take longer to get through. So this is where we're going to wrap it up for today um, for this episode. And we are going to pick up where we left off um, in our next episode about Two Towers. Yes, we will get to talk all about the uh, Vigo toe-breaking moment. Yes. Uh, which I know Mike is very excited about. So. But did you know? Did you know that he <laughs> broke his toe? <laughs> okay, people that don't know that he broke his toe are probably like, what? Yeah, don't worry. We'll get there. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for being with us on of this course. episode. And we look forward to having you back to continue discussing Two Towers. Uh, But I think that's it for today. So thank you all for listening to Hobbit the Heart. Bye. 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 Bye.